Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Welcome to another episode in the new season of the Youthscape podcast. What, 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 what? I think that should be our new little thing. My name is Rachel Gardner and I am joined by Martin Saunders and we are here to host you through the choppy waters of today's episode. It's going to be a good one, Martin, isn't it? I, I sense that the um, the sort of professionalism of the first couple of episodes is starting to <laughs> melt away. It's as not. We, we, no. We're, we're getting back to old habits. I rebuke that. I rebuke that. I think we are super professional. I don't know where you are right now, but I am sat in a library in a hotel off the M6 near Stafford. It doesn't get more professional than that. <laughs> okay, Alan Partridge. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, we, uh, we're not recording in the studio today. We're not together. We, we yeah. This is hopefully going to be the only one for this season, but... Um, uh, for various reasons, we wanted to do this one uh, quickly, but we, we didn't yeah. have access to the studio. We're locked out. Um, so, <laughs> so you're randomly in some other part of the country. Yeah. Stafford, I think. I mean, Stafford, wherever Stafford is. Stafford's a wonderful place, and there are some fantastic youth workers tuning in right now from Stafford. So we love you. But the reason that, um, and this probably does belie the fact that, Martin, we are, although we are attempting to be professional, we are sinking into our old habits. The reason we're having to do this is because we both suddenly realised that something very exciting is launching, and we wanted to talk about it. And, and you would hope, wouldn't you, that it's something abstract, nothing to do with either of us that neither of us have been involved with but we suddenly realized about it but oh no it's not it's actually a book written by you martin yeah. that this week is suddenly launching and we were like oh my goodness we better talk about it so martin without further ado <laughs> tell us about your book you've written a book to be fair i've had a lot on <laughs> <laughs> and uh i've got the kids are all back doing sports teams and things and i've all the running around that i've had to do and it slipped my mind that i had <laughs> i had written a book i'd forgotten uh so yes so i have written a book and it's out uh it's out right now in fact it's just out right now um and when when did you write this book oh when did you write i see it? where you're going <laughs> i see where you're going i see where you're going with this i finished the book during lockdown. So it, I, technically, mm. I am that irritating person who wrote a book during lockdown, but <laughs> only the last bit of it, not the whole. Only the last nine chapters yeah, were written much. during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason is because at the beginning of lockdown, I did say to you, oh, I can't bear those people that are saying they're going to write their book during lockdown. And very sheepishly at the end of lockdown, you said, Rachel, I've just finished the manuscript. <laughs> and I was like, I'm fully supportive, Martin. I'm fully supportive of you and of everybody else, incidentally, who's written a book in lockdown. But this is very exciting. So tell us, what is the name of the book? What is this book about? Well, I imagine if you've been listening to the, the podcast, you may already have a clue about this. Um, there is a word that has been, let's say, orbiting around the, uh, <laughs> the youthscape world for, for the last couple of years. Uh, and so the book is called We Are Satellites. And uh, it's uh, a book about the Christian faith for young people. It's an introduction to following Jesus for young people. Uh, and the subtitle of the book is How to Put God 
at the center of your life. So we'll probably talk about it a bit more later on, but um, fairly obviously, I think most people are uh, have got this much. Um, it is the sort of, it's the book of the film, as it were. It is the, <laughs> um, it is the book, uh, kind of like the manifesto behind mm. um, the satellites event, which we are launching next summer. Mm. And it is a book of the film, but it is very definitely an excellent book in its own right. And you very kindly sent me the manuscript. Um, and when I read it, I, I felt there probably is no more timely book for young people right now than this book. And you don't talk about COVID and the pandemic particularly in it. You know, this is not kind of regurgitating our ground. But if there was ever a time where the young people that we serve just need that fresh vision that God is in this all and we can build our lives around him. It's surely it's, it's now. So it is a book that in its own right is just purely essential. Tell us, t tell us why you wrote it, because it wasn't just that there's a festival coming out that no. you've named the same. This is, this is really a deep passion of yours as a yeah. youth minister as well, isn't yeah, it? No, it, I mean, it totally comes out of my practice as a youth minister. So uh, I wrote a book a couple of years ago for boys called The Man You Made To Be, which we talked about on this podcast. Um, and that was written for my eldest son, Joel, who um, was kind of mm. becoming a teenage um, lad. And it was written for the guys in my youth group who had talked about the difficulties of growing up as a young man um, in the 21st century. Um, this book is also a response to real people. So I've kind of written it for my next child down. Um, so maybe there's going to be four books in total. But, um, but, but I've, I've wrote, I wrote a book. For, this, this book is essentially for my daughter, Naomi. And it came from um, the, a conversation we had where she basically said to me, look, I don't really understand Christianity like you, you keep talking mm. about it but I just don't get it I don't it doesn't make sense to me no one explains it to me in, in a, a way it makes any sense to my life um and so I've edited that obviously that's not quite what she said but you, you get the gist and yeah. um and also I picked up lots of young people lots of young people that I was working with who were saying similar things who were like we've been in church we um we sort of we've heard We've heard the, the, the all the stuff that we're supposed to hear. We've heard the stories, but somehow it's not connecting. It's not making any sense in our actual lives. Um, and so that set me off on a journey. I remember saying to Naomi, if I wrote it all down as a book, if I like, if I explained it to you as a book, would you read it? Wow. And she said, yes. So if no one else reads the book, but she does and, and gets something out of it, then um, my publisher won't be happy at all. But I'll feel like <laughs> on some level it's been a success. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's driven by a deep conviction that, that the Christian faith makes sense for young people, but that we've mm. done a lousy job in the last, in the last 20 years while I've held senior positions of leadership in the youth <laughs> ministry community. So I absolutely count myself as like the worst of sinners, but we've sometimes done a lousy job of explaining the offer of Jesus to young people. So, um, mm. so this book just tries to take a simple metaphor, a slightly different perspective, maybe informed by some of the stuff over the last few years that we might have not, that, that on, on reflection, we might not have done quite so well, um, using that as a, as a springboard for a new way of talking about God. Yeah. And so it just, it's for young people, but I think probably some older people will, yeah. will help, will like that too. 
Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. What what difference do you imagine it making in a young person's life grasping this concept yeah. that our lives satellite around God? What 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 difference do you think it'll make? Well, I think I think it's incredibly liberating. So the central idea is just that um, what we've offered young people up till now is is Jesus in a compartment, like um, you know, on a Sunday, come to church on a Thursday night, come to youth group, but the rest of your life, somehow, the only way that it would serve, um, that the only way that it would connect with God is that the other places of it, in your life are places where you can meet friends to invite to youth group or church. So the <laughs> only way that any young yeah. person thinks God is interested in their sports team is that he wants them eventually to evangelize all the other members of that sports team. I'm not saying that's not true. I mean, that actually, you know, I, I think that is true. But um, but I, I think the flip is to say, no, no, start with God, see everything mm. through the lens of God and yeah. see your whole life, your whole week, your whole school timetable, all the time you spend with your spend with your friends, your family, your waking and sleeping, all of that time. Start with God, see God first in all those things, because he is involved in every single part of your life and he's interested in every part of your life and he can meet you in every part of mm. your life and so that I think becomes really compelling and liberate as I said liberating for a young person because instead of having to make a choice you know between or like uh do I do do I like do I get join the sports team or do I have to like not be in part of the world and do extra bible study practice or something they can actually <laughs> see they can actually see how um like being part of a sports team is part of their worship and Amazing. part of their creative expression of who they are in in God. So that's the central idea. It's like start with God, put God at the center and yeah. everything else makes sense. And do you know, I what's been really interesting to me is I've read um I've read so much scripture during like the last 6 months. It's the way I've kept saying is by like I don't mm. I don't say that to be pious. I just I've unusually found myself reading lots of scripture. And what's what's interesting is I just see this idea like pop up over and over and over again, this idea that God wants to be primary. He wants to be central. Mm. And it's essentially the story of the Old and New Testaments. It's the story of God mm. who just over and over and over again says, don't have any other gods before me, put me first. Yeah. And then Jesus who says, if you want to, you know, have life in all its fullness and basically you follow me and you you put me first now that's all really great could we just go back to the idea of practicing bible study because you dropped that in i just think that's i've never heard that before Extra i mean are we talking that pra yeah practice so, so what does that look like is it like <laughs> do you remember when you were a kid at my, in my sunday school we used to have like sword drill did you used to do that oh, yeah. Like, yeah you put your bible under your arm and then it'd be the first person to like find that passage would, mm. would win a prize and i remember my brother and i practicing at home like getting the bible is that what we're talking about i'm being no. facetious i mean you i haven't didn't, got to answer it. i didn't grow up in a christian <laughs> home so i didn't that's true i didn't you have missed out um, oh my goodness bible in your armpits you missed but, out on but, that um i do think extra bible study practice is the secret it's, of my ministry and that's I why think... i have i have over four thousand young people uh in my church who are doing <laughs> extra bible study practice so if you're not doing that that's why right your ministry now. isn't growing yeah that's right they're doing it right now but i i guess i mean you said something earlier about you know this in the last 20 years when both you and i have been mm. you know doing lots of youth ministry so we're the first to kind of point the fingers at ourselves but i guess martin 
you know, none of us listening to this have willfully no. sold young people a lie that Jesus just wants to be in a compartment. No. So I, I guess the other big beast is, is the culture, the unique culture we find ourselves in in 21st century mm. Britain and the West and America, wherever we are, where everything, and I mean everything with a capital E, seeks to undermine any, any young person's faith in in anything other than themselves and and money so i mean that that i mean that's a huge thing that we're dealing with and, and maybe i mean what's your sense have we really woken up really to how how subtle and powerful the cultural narrative is that we're having to work against i mean that's that's huge isn't it i don't know if we have woken up to it i, d I don't know i think the um the thing that always seems to happen if we're not careful the thing we always slip back into is like consumer co consumer driven behavior so yeah. we're always trying to attract we're always yeah. trying to like grow our numbers we're always trying to make a compelling offer like that's a kind of that is the language of consumerism and it's the mm. language and, the, and this is the thing this is the the the, the distinction uh, we live in a me at the center culture that's that's the that's the kind of that's why we're offering such a radical alternative yeah. lights we're saying we're dethroning the ego aren't we yeah dethroning yeah. the ego rachel yeah. yes that's I, your next book it's your next kid <laughs> I, I mean it depends he's really into football so i'll probably have another go at a pre-evangelistic football novel <laughs> I'll do another oh football get right in there yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think, I don't know if we've woken up to it because I think we just fall into that trap over and over again. I found myself like just during the last six months as we've been doing online stuff, you know, I I've definitely tried to make it the bells and the whistles, the, um, you know, we can make it fun for you. Don't, don't, uh, you know, we, we, it's not going to be too deep. It's not going to be too heavy. Yeah. You know, don't worry. <laughs> We're not going to hit you over the head with the Bible. Just kind of have some fun online. You know, we yeah. just fall those traps because I am often myself quite um quite nervous that the 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 the, the message isn't good enough or that the the, <sighs> the the Bible itself isn't enough or that that the um uh, that the offer of Jesus isn't quite enough like if I'm really honest like demonstrably by my behavior it seems that I don't believe that's enough and so I I bolt on all this kind of stuff around it to make it more palatable and we like mm. i have not stopped doing that so um mm. so I, I i'm not saying anyone else is doing that but i know that that's what i do is that sometimes mm. i'm i'm not confident enough in the message that i carry and so i try mm. to bolt a load of other stuff onto it and then it amazes us doesn't it when we stumble across a young person who even without maybe an awesome youth worker in their life somehow grabs hold of the fact Mm. that God wants to be the centre of their whole life. Because I, th I, I think listening to you speaking, and I've had countless conversations like this with friends and youth workers, and I think, why on earth did God trust the gospel to us? Oh, yeah. you know, why, why didn't he just let, say, I had the bunch of angels. They've got no ego. They've got no insecurity. They've got no uncertainty. They'll, they'll just do it. And yet God trusts his great story to culturally bound, culturally fragile you know, people, because actually somehow we do get it. We, mm -hmm. we do get it and we yearn for it and we long for it. And the moment we, we find, you know, we find we actually can be bold enough with it, young people actually respond, don't mm -hmm. they? They actually respond Absolutely. to a bold, dangerous gospel. And I think a number of us 
coming out of lockdown, I find it with the youth that we're doing, we, we, we are, we've raised the temperature in terms of Bible studying and, and worship. Like we, we will do some games, but they, we have to be so flipping COVID compliant on them. Mm. That let, let's just worship Jesus and pray. And, and, it, and it's interesting that the young people are just hung, they're hungry for it. They're, yeah. they're hungry for it. So your book is so, so timely. So I'm going to, I'm going to say something bold that you would never say. I'm going to say no. to everyone listening, get, get a copy for, for the parents in the youth ministry. <laughs> Make sure parents are reading this too. And, and buy copies for the young people in your in your youth group and get that conversation going. Get get them excited about this this fresh vision. And Martin, you write in such a compelling way. I'm not, you know, you you write in a very engaged but but understandable way. Like the young people will be able to connect very quickly and very deeply with this because you're an excellent, exquisite writer, I would say. So who who publishes it? How you, can we get a hot our greasy mitts on it? I was I was I was gonna <laughs> let it go, but exquisite, come on. Um, you are exquisite. You I, are an exquisite human being. I do. There is a lot I'm, of. I'm there's always in, a lot of. I'm sat in a library with like dark wood panelling. I feel like the word exquisite mm. is appropriate to my environment. Lovely. Anyway, how do we get hold of your book? <laughs> so the book is uh, published by SPCK, and uh, it's available now on their website. But it's also available on the Youthscape website. And <gasps> and as um, as other people say, wherever books are sold, which. Probably isn't strictly true, but it sounds good, doesn't it? So I'm really excited that uh, I get to have a transatlantic conversation now with an old friend who has left the country to uh, enjoy sunnier climes. But thanks to the wonder of the internet, it's like we all live in the same room now. Miriam Swanson. Hello. <laughs> it's like we live in the same room. Gosh, that's intense. Yeah. Well, you know, like you're on Zoom, but you're in Florida by the beach. Yep. I'm on Zoom in an industrial estate in Luton. Really, to be honest, very, very similar. Very similar. Yeah, one room. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like one room. How how are you? Why are you over in America? Can you can you for the people who don't know? Miriam, why are you in America? I know. I'm, I'm wondering that myself at times. I'm not going to lie to you. I, um, I came over here a year ago. I actually married a bloke from uh, Florida called Ben. And so uh, somewhat inconveniently, we had to pick a continent. And so mm. Ben and I have started married life in the community he's been part of for 20 years in Florida. Um, and what a year to choose to move to the United States. Uh, Americans generally just say to me, please, can we have another go at your first impression? Could you just pick another year and and count that as your first go of living in America? Because this year has been obviously remarkable for all of us. And moving country has been a crazy one for that as well. What's it like right now in in like in America? What's it like being in America anyway? But as a Brit, what's it like? Um, mostly the reaction to my accent is the biggest thing. So they either, they basically say, I don't know what you said, but I love how you said it they have no idea I ask for tap water they go blank I ask where the bathroom is so that I don't say the loo and they still don't know what I mean so I'm translating myself constantly um so yeah they love the English and so it's kind of a bit embarrassing when they're just like what do you think of our accent or what do you, you know we love England we love the royal family what do you love about America 
as oh, I'm no. in sort of a swing state in election, like nearly election week. And I'm like, oh, gosh, um, yeah, I really like s- southern fried chicken and, and biscuits and gravy. At your sea is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the sea is nice as well. That, has, that, has that tempered lockdown, being able to be by the sea? You know, they closed the beaches for uh, a few weeks and it made every local that's ever taken it for granted that they live in a beautiful place. It, it made everybody uh, reassess how grateful we are for the for the sea. And so just to be able to walk down there every day, it's just good for mental health, even to just look at the ocean and think there are things out there that are bigger and more powerful and deeper and, uh, and, and God breathed them into life. And that's OK. And that's really stilling in a way. So. The sea has been a gift in lockdown, no question. What do you do? Because you still work for Fusion, don't you? Yeah, yeah that's right. So what does still life look like for you? Obviously, working from home like the rest of us. And I'd say I'm probably still sort of 50, 60 percent of my work is for the UK and Europe. Thanks to, you know, it was very strange when I got my visa to work. Uh, it was exactly the same time as everyone in the UK went on lockdown and went online. And so my ability to stay connected to the Fusion team, to our UK churches, to Europe, uh, is way higher than if we hadn't been in COVID simply because I actually can teach and train and mentor all over the power of the internet. So, yeah, still equipping the churches in Europe for reaching university students and beginning to do that in America where people are hungry and see that need. Um, so, yeah, and learning a lot, to be honest, doing lots of listening and learning when it comes to this side. So um, the uh, the sort of focus of this podcast today we've already discussed is excruciating for me uh, but we are talking about my new book which uh is kind of the manifesto for the satellites event yes um and um and y- the problem is miriam i sent you a copy and you actually read it and then you said something nice about it and then, yeah, that is then the issue we have yeah you this is what happens when you think you look at something you think oh that looks all right i'll say something nice and uh, and then you ended up the, the on the jolly cover Right, I know. Yes, thanks for that. And then I mean, it's nothing to do with me. And then, um, and then now I needed someone to talk to about the book who I knew had read it, and it was you or my mum. Mm. And although you know we've done a few podcasts with my mum already, so she's got good content. She's she knows what she's talking about. You're up. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess I don't want to. I don't want to do the whole. Hey, Miriam, what did you think of the book thing? Um, but. Uh, this kind of concept, this idea of trying to um, help young people and older people to uh, put God at the centre of their life rather than have him on the periphery, that I felt like maybe that resonated with you. Um, and, um, yeah, and I wondered whether you would speak into that a little bit because kind of what you see when we talk about putting God at the centre. Yeah, I actually think one of the genius things about the book, the festival, the name, the concept is what an utter relief, what an utter relief to be reminded that the centre of the universe isn't you. It is not all on you. Your life is not actually all about you somehow proving yourself, achieving what you should achieve living up to expectations that may or may not have been communicated to you by the world, by your parents, by your mates. What an utter relief. I mean, 
you know, there's an element in which, you know, I remember as a teenager, you'd kind of talk about your priorities and where does God fit into your life? And, um, and you know, almost uh, is the right answer to say, well, Jesus is number one. And then you go along, oh, and then my, I don't know, my closest relationship is my family and my friends are number two, or I don't know, number three, or I don't know, probably should, probably should respect the education. I'd be, okay, I guess I should go to school, number three. And um, the idea that you can put Jesus in a priority list as number one and then have other things that come after him actually isn't very helpful, as opposed to saying at the centre of everything, where all things are drawn and move around and focused on, is Jesus. So Jesus is at the centre of your relationship with your parents. He's at the centre of the way you worship God in your work. He's at the centre of the way that you ask Jesus, what might you want me to do with my life? He is at the centre of your relationships and your dating. Suddenly, he's not number one on a list of sort of 12 things. He's it. He's the centre. And then everything else moves around, orbits this central force who isn't. Well, this is what's so helpful. He, he's like the, he is the sun, isn't he? He isn't a lifeless planet. He is a force of presence and power that that literally warms up and transforms everything he touches. So the, the very idea of being a satellite is both an utter relief and just really good theology, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was gold. And I th- therefore, I thought the way you wrote it and around uh, ways in which we, we posture our lives to really reflect the sun, like worship, prayer, justice, things like that, um, even our creativity. I just thought what a helpful way. Um, of articulating what it means to be a person fully alive with the love of God and yeah pressure off if you're a teenager thinking you have to live up to expectations of being a good Christian because it's all somehow on you it's not you're a satellite that's a relief that's really good news well that's that's better than I've ever put it can we can we quickly (laughs) edit a book and stick that in that's much better um so just think, because you're really, you're, I always try and get you to talk about young people, but you're really sold out for students, right? So Yeah, young, young adults. Not that I mean, I'd love young people. It's just that we were about to meet you at university. So you become a young adult overnight. So we're right there with you. So I guess my question would be, what could that mean? How could that make a difference to somebody at university or heading off to university or the world of work? Like a young adult, how would that be different if you started to see everything through the lens of God so so that somehow God's actually interested in the sports pitch and the and the maths lesson or or lecture or whatever like how does that is that transformative for a student or is it just a like a philosophical shift that really depends on whether you hear the word take hold of it and put it into practice or not because same same when reading the bible it it could be a very interesting and slightly bizarre ancient book, or it can absolutely change and transform your life. And so in the same way of taking hold of uh, a useful analogy for what is actually the invitation of God, which is to orientate our lives around him, because that's actually our purpose, as in satellites are made to do that, so are we. Um, the, the power that that can have on a student walking into a nightclub in um, onto that the football team pitch for your kind of last match of the season that's make or break um yeah it's everything even even how a student goes home this cre- christmas and treats their family if you if that's not just an idea but it is a powerful invitation 
to think like as I step into this space, I'm focusing on what is Jesus inviting me into that will bring life to me, to my neighbor and to things around me. That will change your attitude. It will change your posture. It will also change. I mean, it will change like any sort of competitiveness or comparison or I've got to beat them in order to get ahead. I mean, in terms of actually playing a sports match, I mean, you don't want to completely lose your ability to like play well and win, etc. But to have an attitude of, um, my yeah, my life isn't about me. It's not about me being amazing. It's about Jesus is so alive in me. I can run with all my heart. I can um, respect my parents, even if I'm going to disagree with them. I can um, be generous to my housemates, even though they haven't done the washing up literally in two weeks. What does that What does that look like if your life is is marked by being orientated by a totally different agenda to maybe what everyone else around you is going for and living? Oh, it will trans it will transform you. Like Christians know, people who are really on fire for Jesus at university know they are salt and light. They're making a difference. People notice because it, it it Jesus will transform your life if you let him. I I think you and I have um, been around Christian events long enough to know that they are great to have really important place for them but they're not the be all and end all like it's like you don't see lifelong transformation through an event and and one of the things i hope will get right with the event and we're what we're a year off so we can hopefully be thinking about this now is um it is that it's not about the five days it's about the the 365 days um, and I and I guess my hope is that the metaphor is helpful in terms of taking you. What when you were like when you were a young Christian? I'm, I'm assuming you were a young Christian. I don't actually know. You might have been converted in a bike again, <laughs> age nineteen. But when you were a young Christian, what, what helped you to um, what helped you to keep going all year round? Yeah, well, this is a slightly funny one for me because most people don't know this, but I actually wasn't raised going to any Christian conferences at all. Oh. I, I went to one once when I was seven. And then the next time I went to yeah Spring Harvest once when I was seven because my dad did a seminar. I went to Soul Survival once when I was 14 and they let me in because I was the youngest in the youth group, but the only one in my year groups, so they let me go. And then the next time I turned up at a Christian festival, I was, I was speaking of it. And it was a huge surprise because it wasn't like I was even aiming to do that. So my genuinely, my discipleship journey has never been characterized by big events. And I didn't even know there were many. And I didn't even know um, it would be anything to do with my future. So my um, discipleship was way more about uh, day to day. Um, man, God just spoke to me so much through the Bible. I, I, don't, I don't know how I learned to journal before I knew the word journaling, but I would I would really write psalmic sort of expressions of me trying to like work out what it means to love Jesus and follow Jesus. I really felt like the Bible was alive from a very young age. Um, my youth work was much more adventure discipleship, like as in rock climbing. We'd go kayak on the canal, which is gross when you fall in, but quite funny. We'd get really wet and muddy, but there'd only be like 12 of us. And so um my understanding of being a Christian was much more in the day to day and it was much more costly in the sense that I've 
you know, by the age of seven, I'd already been bullied for my dad being a pastor and me following Jesus. And so I had an idea that this wasn't going to be socially advantageous um, to be a Christian. Certainly, uh, I, I think that's probably might change a little bit now, but it certainly was true for me um, like 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, so events. Um, I, I was just a huge, I'm not gonna lie to you, it was just a huge surprise when I saw 10,000 teenagers worshipping Jesus. I had no idea there were that many of us. No idea. It gave me a huge amount of courage that I wasn't alone, gave me a huge amount of confirmation that um, there, that Jesus was up to something, not just in me and my little pals. And um, it was really useful for me to do a few brave things like ask for prayer from somebody I didn't know and raise my hands in worship for the first time because it was a crowd. And I sort of was like, I, I can try that and it not feel too exposed, which at 14 was a big deal. So moments of that, I carried on into my life and got more confident at asking for prayer, at worshipping more freely, things like that. But um, yeah, I just didn't grow up with events marking my faith at all. Hence, it is a surprise that I speak at so many events. But one of those things where I'm like, okay, what are you up to, Jesus? But I really believe in the other 360 days of the year because that's that was my experience. I couldn't I couldn't have lived off an event. So, which is why I love that this book's out now. I love that you, the rhythm is in place for if you don't make the event, which I really hope you do. But if you don't, there's this. This book is a standalone discipleship resource for young people and for all of us to live a life orientated around the goodness of Jesus. As a bonus, we get a family to get together next summer. Brilliant. And that will be super encouraging, particularly powerful when you're a young person, particularly powerful, but not the be all and end all, of course. Oh, that was a great interview. Thank you. Um, now, at the beginning, we talked about how your book is the book of the film. So now is the time to talk about the film. But of course, people, film is code. We're not talking about a film. No. We're talking about something else. So, Martin, yeah. will you like to tell us more about Satellites, the summer event? Yes. Gosh, um, it's exciting, isn't it? I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. We um, we are putting on a new event for young people in uh August 2021 at the East of England Arena and Peterborough Showground. It's all one thing. Mm. And um, we are hoping to gather uh, several thousand young people and their leaders uh, Mm -hmm. to explore this central idea of what it means um, to have God at the centre of your life. And I guess it's not too cheesy after the five days of the event, to enter into a 360-day degree orbit around oh, God. Every time I talk to you, you have this new revelation of just how this, this is a theme that keeps giving, Martin, it doesn't it? It's giving. It's just beautiful. So, um, Love it. So the, the idea, there's these seven, seven values in the book, uh, seven kind of key themes for discipleship, which... Uh, are sort of the chapters of the book. And those are the seven values, themes that we're going to be having threaded through the event. And so the idea is that young person comes to satellites and gets to understand a really well-rounded um, idea of what the Christian faith looks like all year round. So, mm-hmm. um, so we're absolutely going to be um, teaching from the Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. But actually, the Bible isn't one of our values because our values are 
are um, essentially drawn from the Bible. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing to say. Um, so we've got three values which are about us and our relationship with God. Um, those are prayer, worship and family. Then there's three values which are about our relationship with the world as we're part of God's family. So evangelism, justice and creativity. And then the sort of the one in the middle, probably the most important value of all is, is the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We, mm. we definitely want at the event to give young people an opportunity to experience and understand Brilliant. that. But also all year round, we want young people to feel equipped and motivated yeah. to explore the gifts and the fruits and the things of the spirit um, all year round. So, um, so yeah, that, that I hope that doesn't put us in any sort of box. I think that's just a Christian box. I think that all of that. <laughs> but, but I think what's interesting about that maybe um, is that um, we're doing all of those things together. So mm. lots of events will focus on some of those things. Um, and I think maybe something that's a bit different about, about satellites is that it's going to try to hit all of those uh, bases mm. and give a young mm. person a really rounded expression of their Christian yeah. faith that makes sense, that is useful, that is plausible all year round. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd love you to come and, and join us. The book will um, act as a sort of a primer for it. So yep. it's a good book to read to understand exactly what's going on in our heads as a team. I know I wrote the book, but it, it's very much the, the satellites and youthscape team are kind of owning it together. Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, if you want a sort of a, a, a starting point for this idea of God at the centre, then start with the book and then, and then come to the festival. And I, I'm, um, I'm hearing from a number of youth workers, including some phenomenal people on the Isle of Guernsey, yeah. Big shout out to you guys who are going to bring bringing their young people to satellites. Now, Martin, I do feel that in this time we're currently in, I would like to ask you a potentially tricky question, but I know it's probably yes. on lots of people's minds. So, you know, we know dear friends, dear events that we know and love, thinking about running, not running yeah. next year. I mean, is it possible for Youthscape to be considering, for satellites to be considering to be running? When at the yes. moment we we don't really know, you know. So so what is what is in your thinking at the moment? Is it possible to be considering some form of gathering large numbers of young people, even if it looks radically different? How how how's that going? Yeah. So I mean, really good question. I'm absolutely delighted to answer it. Um, I think um, we are trying to be wise, so we are reading a breadth of news and science and trying to stay up to date with what's really going on. Um, and we're also at the same time trying to discern God's voice in it. And this has always been, you know, born in prayer. Um, we continue to try to stick very close to God all the way through the, the genesis and the development of this event. And so I'm continually, I, mean, I spent the day yesterday actually on retreat asking God, you know, please, please tell us if this is, um, if this is a wrong turn. Um, and at the moment, what I'm discerning is keep going and go for it. And so we will do that as long as um, that remains like sensible. But we're not we're not going to be idiots. I mean, we're not we're not idiots. Mm -hmm. I hope mm -hmm. I hope we're not idiots. So so we will <laughs> we will try to be wise. But as long as it seems possible, we will keep going. So that means we are going 100 percent for this uh, summer 2021. And what we would love people to do is to join us um, in in sort of going for it 
in great hope and faith that we'll be able to do it this time mm. round. If we can't do it, we do guarantee we'll refund everybody's money. So mm. we're, we're, we're not asking you to, I mean, it's, you know, it's a bit of a faff to uh, organise refunds and things, but we're not going to leave anyone out of pocket. Yeah. Um, so, so I think hopefully that liberates people to say, yes, we want to come on this journey as well. We want to hope with you. We'll go mm-hmm. for it. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, we'll offer everybody a refund. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I guess for, for us, we, we've not run a big gathered youth thing before. So in many ways, we're, we're not thinking how we do this year, what we did last year. No. In a way, we can start with, with a blank sheet of paper and, and reimagine what it could look like even in covid times mm. to gather groups of young people and get quite excited about that so i feel that i think that's giving me confidence hearing you say i hope it gives others confidence too because we want to be pushing forward into things don't we as you say wisely mm. um, and, and boldly as well that's absolutely fantastic so uh, martin are you having any kind of like you and the family having some kind of crazy book launch are you going to do like is that what, what what does a book launch look like when um when, when, it's, when, when it's your second it's or your fifth out. book or yeah you've forgotten it's coming out so your colleagues at work painfully do nothing to celebrate you or your book yeah, <laughs> what, I, what, what? I never do anything like that I, ne- I never do <sighs> any sort of celebrations or launches or anything like that I probably should I maybe we should I don't know I mean I, I have a who, who would you most like to hear a commendation from on your book like if 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 you're like Oh. Any kind of crazy character, living or dead, in, in the whole of history, you know, like like that person that you'd have commenting on the front of your book that is just like, like I don't know, some some crazy character. There's no way they do. Who, who would you have? Uh, have you got Chris Pratt there with you? Well, funny you should say that because next to me in my library in Stafford is oh, the space where he was. He was there a few minutes ago. Wow, he's just popped. He's well, just popped out. Well, that wasn't very socially distant. I wouldn't be socially distanced if Chris Pratt was there. I would, have Chris, Pratt. <laughs> I would have Chris Pratt because, um, uh, great, be- because I love that young people just find it really inspiring, exciting that he follows Jesus. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, that's who I'd have for, for that reason. Would or- you have Chris Pratt as in um, arrested, um, as in Parks and Recs, Chris Pratt? Or would you have like cool Marvel kind of Chris Pratt? I thought where you were would going you- with that is just any anyone called Chris Pratt like Chris Pratt is an estate <laughs> agent from Darlington <laughs> well funny you should say that because next to me in my life is <laughs> Chris Pratt from Darlington hello oh, you brothers from Darlington tuning in oh that's amazing oh so I, I will see I, I will see if pull I can send strings, you yeah? lucky. pull some strings yeah I'll pull some strings that's right because I have many strings into uh, the world of Hollywood <laughs> you've got way more Anyway, Martin, we wish you all the best with this book. It is so exciting that you've written this. And we do look forward to that football novel coming out soon. Is that a promise? Definitely. Can we we pre-order? Let's pre-order. I think the last one needs a sequel. It's been 16 years. (laughs) I've really enjoyed today's episode, having Martin Saunders a little bit on the hot seat 
um, being one of our guests. It's been fantastic, Martin. It's wonderful. Um, so I would love to say to all you wonderful listeners, it means a whole bunch to us if you are able to subscribe to the podcast. If you can rate and review, it means other people can find us a little bit more easily. Um, and also, you can go to patreon.com forward slash youthscape if you want to fling a few coppers our way and see what fun things we do with it. Incidentally, the uh, Patreon account is not funding my time here at the, in the uh, hotel in Peterborough. <laughs> but we do buy equipment and all kinds of stuff, so it means a lot to us to have your support. But have a wonderful week, and we look forward to welcoming you back on the podcast next week. Bye!